Hey, Fidelity. What's it cost to invest with the Fidelity app? Start with as little as $1 with no account fees or trade commissions on U.S. stocks and ETFs. Hmm, that's music to my ears. I can only talk. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Zero account fees apply to retail brokerage accounts only. Zero dollar commission applies to online U.S. equity trades and ETFs and retail Fidelity accounts. Sell order assessment fee not included. Some account types and securities excluded. Details at fidelity.com slash commissions. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSE SIPC. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Welcome to Bet the Edge. I'm Jay Croucher, joined by the whale capper Drew Dinsick. We're going to do an all NBA show today. Drew, I'm wearing my James Harden. Oh, Mets. yeah. Mets legend, James Harden. Worked out. Right. <laughs> James Harden was briefly in the MVP discussion as a Brooklyn Net when he forced the great. Feels like 15 years ago. Um, we won't be talking much James Harden today, but NBA.com, uh, Mark Medina released a mid-season report which polled a lot of people who do actually have votes uh, on the awards on basically everything in the NBA, all of the awards, who's going to win the title, all that type of thing. Uh, so we're going to run through, I think, the most interesting awards uh, and give our thoughts on both the, the poll and just overall um, how we think the market is looking in MVP, Defensive Player of the Year, Most Improved Player, and then we'll get into some of the games tonight. Looking forward to talking about T-Wolves Pistons, literally. Uh, <laughs> let's start off with MVP, which is always the most talked about award naturally. On points bet, Luka Doncic is the favorite, plus 275. And Nikola Jokic finally shifting into the top two, plus 300. Giannis is plus 350, Tatum plus 400, Joel Embiid, who came back last night and had 36 points and 11 boards and was plus 36 in 24 minutes, uh, which is insane, albeit against the lowly Pistons. Then Kevin Durant is 14 to 1. Uh, he's going to be out, we expect, about a month. That could, I think that could even extend through the All-Star break. And then I think the only other guy who is vaguely live at all is Stephen Curry at 50 to 1, but he's probably um, the last candidate um, once you get past Embiid. So in this poll yesterday, Drew, Luka Doncic got 43% of the vote, Jokic 40%, and then Giannis, Tatum 7% each, Durant 3%. Where are you at with this market at the moment? Yeah, I uh, so for it's very complicated conversation because NBA has not gone well for me this season. Um, I have a big red number to dig myself out of for the uh, just regular season betting sides, and um, a lot of what I thought was going to happen preseason has just been very, very wrong. <laughs> so I'm not really playing from a place of confidence when it comes to handicapping the NBA right now, um, and. I read that article that you pro that you mentioned and I was pulling my hair out with a lot of stuff I was seeing and reading. And I was like, am I this disconnected from what's actually happening in the league? Like, I don't understand what some of these opinions are. I'm not speaking specifically to the awards, but some of the other stuff, like what was the best moment of the season and what was the, uh, you know, what's going to happen from here? Who's going to make a run? Like I'm reading this stuff and I'm just like, what, what, what sport are these people watching? What is happening here? Um, and Luka Doncic being sort of the presumptive winner of MVP was one of those 
what is happening here moments because I just I really do not feel like he deserves uh, consideration on the same you know same standing as Jokic I feel like Jokic should be the clear favorite in this market and the only guy that I think could realistically catch him is Joel Embiid just because Embiid plays on the east coast and because he can do you know superlative things in game and he can put up statistical lines that look impossible um and i think philadelphia could scoop the one seed still in an eastern conference that you know as you mentioned is dealing with issues you know nets missing duran is going to be an issue and just in general celtics coming back to earth regressing and having not found their defense yet look they look vulnerable so i think this is you know Jokic's to lose uh and 300 seems like a very bettable price but um you know people have wanted Doncic to make this leap to MVP for so long and like there was always an error in the preseason and at the beginning of the season that it was like this is it's his time uh we need to give him recognition but like all I see when I watch Doncic in the Mavs play are the, his limitations. And like in general, he can't elevate the squad. He, he makes the decisions, particularly in games where they are well ahead, where, you know, they, they are letting teams that have no business back into games back in. Uh, and, you know, they have a lot of no shows where I just don't believe in this Mavericks as a team, particularly as a regular season team. So I think Doncic probably falls out of the mix here uh, from here. Uh, and I think, Jokic at three to one is a fair bet. I think it beat at twelve to one is a fair bet, and I think the rest are uh, dead pool money. Yep, I'm largely with you on Jokic, um, and I think with this poll yesterday, this makes me feel more confident that Jokic is going to win. Um, when you look at the people who are polled and kind of what that subset usually votes for, usually skews narrative. Jokic gets a lot more of the statistically based vote, um, and that comes, I think, from other places. So. Jokic is splitting that vote like he did um, vis-a-vis Luka. The fact that he's got so much of the vote from that subset makes me feel very good that Jokic is going to win MVP. I think Jokic's pick against the field for wow. MVP. Uh, I think that plus 300 is still uh, a very good bet. I think that the reason he is so long and has been so long and has been, I think, mispriced every single day of the season is the people are falling back on well, the people who set these markets, they're falling back on, well, he's not going to win three in a row. Like, that's not a reason for him not to win MVP. He's got clearly the best case. People aren't going to avoid voting for him because he's already won twice. That might be a small tiebreaker for some people, but people take these awards seriously enough and there's enough information and data out there now that you can't just avoid voting for someone because they've already won it a couple of times. So I still think Jokic is the clear favorite. I think Luka... I would, I would make Luca second favorite just because, I mean, statistically, he is now building a case. He is at the peak of his case right now, though. Uh, you know, you look at estimated plus minus. He's the guy who's just behind Jokic at plus eight. Um, but Jokic has still got the better case. And the problem is, is the Mavs are 23 and 19. They've got a plus 1.1 point differential. Like, they're just not that good. Uh, and yeah. Maxi Kleber being out is a killer for them. They're in the midst of, you know, they've already lost three of the past four. They lose last night to the mm-hmm. Clippers getting blown out at halftime. Luca minus nine. Uh, so I think that this part of the schedule is going to swallow up the Mavs a little bit. And you just look at Jokic's case, like the, the Nuggets who have, I mean, they've got Murray and Porter back, but this team is still dealt with, you know, injuries and teams being in and out of the lineup. It's still Jokic, still the Jokic show entirely. The bench is dreadful. 
but they're basically they're above plus 10 net rating when Jokic is on the floor. The Mavs are barely scraping plus five with Luka on the floor. I don't think Luka has markedly less talent around him than Jokic. And I think that's what people are now looking at, those types of things. So I think Jokic is the clear deserving case at the moment. I think if the, if he gets the one seed, he just automatically wins. I think if he gets the two seed, he likely, likely wins too. Um, mm. Is there any, any of Giannis, Tatum, Curry... I think the rant's just done now. Anyone that we haven't talked about that you think has is, well, is I'd like your I'd like your opinion on Embiid, uh, in particular because the schedule, like, so the Eastern Conference is better than the West. I think we can both agree with that. Um, the West has just more bottom feeders, and so Denver kind of getting the one seed seems more likely than any you know picking your favorite Eastern Conference team and saying they'll get it. The uh, that said, the Philadelphia. Um, schedule between now and the all-star break is super pudding soft. Like this is, uh, they have 16 games where they're going to be favored by five points or more in a row, including a, a, a five game stretch on the road where, uh, you know, they are going to have a decent advantage over every road team. Um, they could potentially go 16 and one into the all-star break, at which point, um, you know, they could have a gap, uh, created between them and like the likes of the Celtics, the likes of the uh, the Bucks, and people were so convinced that the Celtics and the Bucks were like the best teams that I feel like if the Sixers get to the top of the mountain and create space between them and the next best Eastern Conference team, people are going to be talking about them at the All Star break. Like, wow, <laughs> man, they're finally healthy, and look how good this team is. They're just running amok. Granted, they're going to have done it against, you know, inferior competition for a lot of these games. Um, so I think, you know, I'm, I'm kind of keeping an eye on that as far as just Philadelphia being able to flex a little bit because I do have a ton of respect for them as a regular season team. Um, do you think that there would be a narrative at, at the All-Star break that could shift the market in Embiid's favor and away from Jokic just because of the East Coast bias if, if the Sixers are running? To me... Yeah, I, I agree that Embiid is a bet at his current price. His price is too long. Uh, I think him and Jokic are the – they're the horses to go to war with Jokic. And you know what? They've been the horses three years in a row. Like, <laughs> right. There's, there's a lot, lot, a lot of anger in here. Players. Yeah. yeah. So I think with Embiid, I think it's more likely that he's going to emerge as the number two guy and overtake Doncic and search past Tatum and Giannis and actually topple Jokic. I don't think he's as good as Jokic. I think that shows up each year in the stats, but I agree Sixers are going to go on a run. I think Boston will get them for the one seed, but I mean, Embiid is just, again, just insane. Plus 7.4, estimated plus minus. Counting stats are off the... Off the charts again, Looks he's going to be neck and neck with Luca for the scoring title. And I agree. I think this Sixers team is probably better than people give them credit for just because we haven't seen their three big guys, Embiid, Harder, than Maxi play a ton together. I mean, I think Maxi's pretty overrated. I mean, <laughs> there's a case that Anthony Melton helps this team more than Tyrese Maxi, honestly, with what they need. Um, but the sneaky thing with the Sixers is that, I guess it's not that sneaky, but James Harden is playing much, much better than he did last season. And that's going to help yeah. Embiid. It's going to help that team. I think they're a very good chance to get the two seed. So if the Nuggets, if they falter a little bit, then I think the Sixers, they could be right there. And I do think that if on merit it gets to neck and neck between Jokic and Embiid, then Embiid will win. Because that's mm-hmm. when the, kind of the fatigue element, I think, will come in a little bit if it's very, very close, uh, particularly with what's happened the past two years. So, yeah. 
I think Embiid and Jokic, they are the ones to bet on at the moment. So if you were Doc Rivers, are you flipping Maxi and Melton? You're you're putting you know you're putting Maxi in the six man of the year sort of driver's seat here and asking him to you know give Maxi Embiid and Harden. Maxi is useless. Maxi and Harden. Maxi is very useful. Embiid and Maxi. Maxi's just kind of he's he's okay. Right. So if you give, you know, some of the second unit minutes with Harden on the floor with Maxi, but Maxi's sort of the prime premier scorer, that sounds good. Is, is Rivers going to figure this out? Well, I hope he doesn't because I've backed up every <laughs> person in the market. It feels like outside of Tyrese Maxi, who's not offered anywhere. But uh, I mean, that seems like it makes the most sense that Harden, oh, yeah. Melton, um, Harris, Tucker, and Bede uh, as a starting five. The thing is, though, is that. I think the key is is that Embiid missed a few games. And that's why the market drifted him because Doc Rivers said the words, no timetable to return. So I'm thinking, yeah. like, well, is Embiid just out a month? Is this just done? But then he just came back like two, three games later. So uh, I do think that Maxi starting um, when Embiid was out, maybe now it just becomes, it just segues into, you know, Maxi just being um, the starter going forward. I would bring him off the bench, but yeah. they're going to close with him anyway. So it doesn't really matter. Um, I think they're always going to close Maxi Harden and Embiid. And then it's just a matter of picking two of the three of Melton, Harris, and Tucker. But I mean, they're a fun team. Um, and I think we worry that Sixers games might be painful to watch with Harden and Embiid taking 22 free throws a game, but um, they are definitely one to watch. And I think that they – this what's happened with Chris Middleton? Like, is Chris Middleton ever going to play basketball again? What the hell's going on there? Dude, um, he, learned, he looks like he ran into a wall. Yeah. His Darko yeah. chart is – uh-oh. <laughs> yeah. I think there is a good chance that the Sixers are going to emerge as the as the biggest threat to Boston instead of Milwaukee um, with what's going on with Middleton at the moment. So my man Joe Ingles looks very, very good. Um, <laughs> let's talk about Defensive Player of the Year, um, an award close to my heart. Uh, right now the favorite is Jaron Jackson Jr. at minus 135. He was 60 to 1. Uh, not too – well, when he came back from his foot injury – Brooke Lopez has drifted away from being the favorite, plus 500. Nick Claxton, we'll talk about this, uh, is plus 600. Um, Bam Adebayo, 10 to 1. Giannis, 10 to 1. Uh, and then you get into OG Adenobi, Evan Mobley, Joel Embiid, Jared Allen, and Draymond Green. Now, in this poll yesterday, Brooke Lopez won the count with 37% of the vote, then Jared Jackson, 27% then Jared Allen with 10%. I wouldn't read too much into this just because I think people are still penalizing Jaron because at this point he's missed like 40% of the season to date. By the time we get to the end of the year, his absence at the start of the year is not going to feel nearly as glaring. But what's your read on this market? This one's tough uh, because you are looking at a price structure where you are trying to make a case against Jaron Jackson Jr. And that's very, very challenging. Um, Jaron Jackson Jr. was a hot you know, hot commodity last year in this market, like came on very, very, very strong. And people were like, wow, you know, like they got anchored to him being absolutely in the discussion this year, even though he missed a ton of time uh, early in the season, his impact on just the Grizzlies from a defensive rating standpoint is obvious. Like he is uh, an amazing defensive contributor for them. Um, I believe the way that this award effectively gets voted on is people look at sort of team defensive rating first. And if you're in the top five, then you're in consideration. 
position. Um, and it's kind of a cluster right now. Memphis is the top of that pile, but it's not a huge gap between them and the Cavaliers, who are number two. Um, Bucks, 76ers, and Pelicans round out the top five. But we could see a little bit of shuffling, particularly in that top four as we go through the rest of the season. So, um, you know, I think, you know, the only kind of teams that I would expect could flip the Grizzlies to be best team defense would be the Cavs and the Bucks. Um, but, uh, and, you know, you know, the Lions share of the credit would obviously go to the players at the top of the market from the Cavs and the Bucks. Um, but I'm not loving the, uh, you know, not loving the idea of beating a player like Jaron Jackson Jr. in this market who has, you know, just so much sort of momentum. Uh, coming into this particular season after what he did last season and then what he's done, the stark contrast since he's come back. Uh, so I think I got to pass on this one, but uh, I'm curious if you think there is a, a bet to be made down the board here. And, you know, really, is there a team that's outside of the top five that you think can force their way in? Uh, because, again, the gap is not that huge. Like the team that's in the six to ten range could very well find their way into the top three even just because uh, these teams are so closely bunched. Yeah. Unfortunately, I think the best bet to be made uh, in the market right now is the guy who's minus 135. I'm <laughs> uh, tying up minus 135 for five months before your bet settles. But Jaron's case is so overwhelmingly the best right now. Like They have the number one defense. And that's also, they got the number one defense having played 16 games without Jaron Jackson. Right. They have surged ever since he's come yeah. back. The defensive yeah. personnel is just too good between... Jaron and Dylan Brooks and Stephen Adams and, and Bain and and the rest of their guys. And Jaron, I mean, just every every way you look at it, like he's probably going to lead the league in blocks. His defensive EPM right now is lapping the field. His Raptor is excellent. His on-off is insane. Uh, everything just points to Jaron. He has so far and away the best case. The only thing is he's missed 16 games already, and so he is like a two-week injury away from just being kind of excluded the same way that Bam Adebayo was. But I think his case um, is Bam Adebayo was last year when he uh, missed 26 games. But I think Jaron's case is so strong that he doesn't even need the number one defense. I think so long as he has a top three, top four defense, if he just stays healthy and maintains this level, I think he will just win. So I think that minus 135 is, is a little bit generous, even though it's no fun to bet on. Uh, in terms of further down the board, Sickens me to even say this name out loud, but Rudy Gobert um, has turned the corner and he has been past. It's just a five game sample, but they have 104 defensive rating with him on the court. When he's been on the court all season, they've actually had a defense that is equivalent to the best in the league. It's just the offense has been trash. His rim <laughs> protection numbers of late are back to what they were last season. And look, he's 60 to one. There's even there's some 110 to one floating out there, Whoa. which is. That's a little bit aggressive, isn't it, on Rudy Gobert um, when he's got the best defense in the league when he's on the court to be 110 to 1 halfway through the season. And I do think that this team, I mean, we love them preseason and they've broken our hearts. But I do think this team, like the talent is still all there. Um, they have good defensive personnel around Rudy, like Jaden McDaniels, Carl Anderson. These guys have been great. Edwards has gotten a lot better. I do think there is scope for the Wolves to make a run. But I think that Gobert to actually win Defensive Player of the Year with all these these bad vibes banked from the first half, yeah. he, he needs Jaron to miss two, three weeks to have a chance. But what do you think of Gobert at 100? Uh, please don't make me believe in the Timberwolves again. 
<laughs> I really, I have given up on this team and it felt good. It felt like I kind of, the, the vibes in the house were just better the minute I let them go. Uh, so I'm not going to get re-engaged with this Timberwolves team. Like the minute I believe in them again, um, you know, Sadiq Bay is going to go off for like six from eight from three tonight. and They're beat them. Very, you know. <laughs> very, very, <laughs> very, very, very stupid. Um, the guy I would look for, because again, like I, I agree with your points. One thirty-five for JJJ is the bet to make if you're making a bet, but he's fragile. Yes, it's a and it's a it's, terrifying bet to make because you just one ankle tweak away from just being dead. Right, but uh, and, and if the, yeah, if the ankle tweak happens on like. March 31st or March, I, they probably has to happen on like March 21st. And all he misses the last, you know, 15 games of the season down the stretch when all the recency bias is really settling in. Um, yeah, somebody could steal it. I am curious your thoughts on if that somebody could be Evan Mobley, who fits a lot of the same profile, young up and coming player. Cleveland, you know, could have the, you know, the best defense. Cleveland is still in the mix for, you know, a top two seed in the Eastern Conference. Um, do you have any kind of uh, positive case to make for Evan Mobley? I don't really. I think that Jared Allen is more likely to be their candidate. And the reason Ooh, why is okay. that Mobley right now, w- with his on-off, they actually they're six points better defensively with him on the bench. And I think that like – and now we've banked half a season of that being the case. Like that's pretty hard to overturn if you're a big man and your defense is way better when you're not on the floor. And a lot of that is just shooting luck, but people aren't going to look into that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that Mobley is – I just, I just think it's going to be too difficult for him. He and Allen already split credit um, as it is. And I think his case would have been if they had the runaway best defense in the league. And I just I don't think that's going to happen. Um, I think if there is a guy who can potentially make a run who isn't really being thought of at the moment too much, it is Bam. Um, just because the Heat, they're within striking range of you know having uh, having a top four defense in the league. They've been better defensively of late. I think that Oladipo coming back has really helped them uh, a lot defensively. I think yeah. guys like Caleb Martin, um, Duncan Robinson being out for a month helps their defense. So the thing is, is that they're just really small. Um, and that's an issue when they're playing a lot of Jimmy Butler power forward. So they're wreaking havoc in, in passing lanes. But uh, I do think that they're probably just a little bit too small to get into being a top two defense in the league, which Bam mm-hmm. might need. But the thing with this award is like you need pedigree. Guys yeah, don't do. come out of nowhere to win right. defensive player of the year. And people might say Marcus Smart. Well, Marcus Smart mm-hmm. won defense multiple times before yeah. he won DPO-wise. So that's why yeah. like Nick Claxton's not going to win defensive player of the year, um, even though he has a solid case, particularly with Durant uh, missing uh, a month. So I think Bam can potentially make a run. I would actually make Bam second favorite in the market right now. Um, but there is a big, big gap uh, between Jaron Jackson and everyone else. NetCredit is here to say yes, because you're more than a credit score. Apply in minutes and get a decision as soon as the same day. Loans offered by NetCredit or lending partner banks and serviced by NetCredit. Application subject to review and approval. Learn more at netcredit.com slash partners. NetCredit. Credit to the people. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. There's a moment you realize you're ready for what's next in your career. Maybe it's when you're trying a new scone recipe and think, I could open a cafe. 
Or maybe you're helping a coworker and say, I could teach a course on this. Whatever your moment is, it's never too early to plan for a career that lives longer. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. For skills training, resume tips, and job listings, visit aarp.org work. A reminder to download the Roto World app to receive breaking player news all season long. Stay ahead of the competition by favoriting players on your roster. Get the latest injury updates, player news, and much more delivered right to your phone. It's available in the App Store today. Most improved player, stupidest award in sports. Uh, but let's break it down uh, in the straw poll yesterday. Laurie Markinen was it was the winner, fifty three percent. Jay Gilgis Alexander was thirty three percent of the vote, and then Tyrese Halliburton and Anthony Simons was seven percent each. In the market on points bet, Shea is the favorite, minus one twenty five. Markinen second, plus two fifteen. Halliburton three to one. And then you're pretty much everyone else beyond that is probably gone. Simons, Maxi, and Bain are next on points bet. What's uh, what are your thoughts on MIP? So, I think a lot of it weirdly comes down to the All Star starting vote for the Western Conference guard between Morant and Shea. If SGA is your is an All Star starter, I, doesn't he just don't they just start engraving the trophy? Uh, I don't know. With Shea, like all year, there's been a weird thing with Shea where, I mean, he averaged like 25 a game last year. I know he didn't have the same pedigree, but also I think that team has significant risk of just falling off a cliff. I agree. Like Shea's case is is fantastic, and but it's just not the kind of case that usually wins. No one generally wins going from 25 to 30 points per game. Um, while also, I mean, he's also increased his efficiency. He's kept this team in the playing mix. I would say that on merit, he is right there, but I don't really understand why Markinen isn't the favorite. Um, and when you look at Markinen's case, okay. he's increased his points per game by 10, 10 points per game. He's gone from 14.8 to 24.5 points per game. And the thing is, is that he's done this while increasing his efficiency substantially. He's gone from 58% true shooting to 66%. But I estimated plus minus, uh, my estimated plus minus, Laurie Markkinen this year has been better than Giannis. Uh, he's a fringe MVP <laughs> candidate by EPM. He's been better than Shea by at least that one metric. And I think also that on a team basis, I think Utah will probably fall off uh, a bit, maybe even a fair bit, but I still think they're going to be a better team than OKC. So I don't know. Like, why isn't Markkinen the favorite? I just had to look it up because I couldn't believe it. Oh, my. Laurie Markkinen is in the top 10 of EPM. That's that is amazing. Um, he was like the thing is with Markin as well. Like last year, he was thought of in the same breath as like Luke Kennard and Karis LeVert, and now yeah. he's a better EPM than Giannis. If you had told me there's going to be a breakout Jazz player on this team, is it going to be Markinen or Sexton or Kelly Olynyk? I would have been yeah. like, God, I don't know, man. One of those guys is going to break out, really? <laughs> I was like, okay, uh, Olynyk. <laughs> I have no idea. No, but no, it was Markinen. I it it. Uh, it really did feel like a complete throwaway, uh, you know, put him in the trade um, to make the salaries work. But um, I also, you know, I, and your kind of breakdown, I really liked in terms of looking at the efficiency and in, in addition to just the overall raw number improvement. Um, but I don't get the sense that that's the way the voters look at this just because I don't, 
and then maybe I'm not giving them enough credit. Maybe the voting block has moved into a very, you know, a different space in terms of embracing advanced analytics for MBA uh, award voting. But, um, you know, I think Shay benefits a lot from the fact that he, like, I don't think people realized he was a 25 point guy Yes, hundred before, right? Like if you kind of, you know, if you go to the average voter and you're like, uh, you know, what do you, what, what, what was, what's your take on Shea? Is he going to make it like, is he a guy you build a team around that would have been like, I don't know, can't stay healthy, 20 points a game. I mean, you know, high usage, I guess. Yeah. Now, I, I don't think you would have gotten a, a, a true reflection of what he was before this year. Um, and so I feel like in the mind of a lot of the voters, the leap feels bigger than it maybe is. Um, and he's played 37 games out of their 41 so far. So his availability has been a huge improvement as well, which definitely matters. Um, so your point though, about the thunder falling apart or just in general, kind of, you know, not being able to put together winning basketball down the stretch. I agree with that. Um, Utah, similar kind of circumstance, although maybe Utah a little bit more likely to deal some pieces. Um, and I don't really know who that helps more. Uh, you know, so it's, it's, I'm inclined to say that this is not a decided award yet, but we've always kind of thought that the MIP goes to the guy that makes his first all-star game. And right now, to me, that looks pretty clearly like Shea. Um, is Laurie for sure an all-star reserve in your mind? I think so. Just because the West front court depth isn't amazing. I think going through it previously, they, the guards are a bit stronger. Look, I think they're both going to be all-stars. So it'll probably cancel out a little bit. I don't think Shea is going to be a starter over Curry, Morant. Um, I think those guys will get in over him, particularly with Curry coming back a little bit ahead of schedule. So I just... I think when, I think Laurie has one of like the greatest, most improved player cases of all time. And the thing is, too, is that he's much more of a conventional case than Shea. And I 100% agree with you that I think if you ask most people who just kind of follow the NBA but aren't in the weeds, if you ask them how many points per game did Shea average last year, they'd probably say 21. When he 22, 22, yeah, 21, yeah. yeah, I agree. I agree 100%. So, yeah. And it's the same thing with like Ja Morant last year where Ja was better than um, people, I think, remembered. But anyway, I think Laurie, like Laurie has a better EPM right now than Donovan Mitchell, Giannis, Morant, LeBron. Like it's insane. This is one of the greatest, most improved player cases of all time. I think the only way it falls apart is if that team falls apart, which is possible. That's why I don't think he's like minus 200 or anything, but I would make him the favorite. And I think plus 200 uh, is a bet. Um, just quickly on six man of the year, market is a total mess we probably do a whole separate podcast on six man of the year uh question from jeff as well anything interesting i think uh as i take a look at the points bet odds at the moment now russ is the favorite at minus 110 i think that price is poison i don't necessarily agree <laughs> with russ being the favorite i think that if the lakers make a play in ad comes back they restore some of the vibes Russ has actually been good this year. Like he, People laugh at Russ because his shooting numbers are atrocious, but he's still an elite shot creator for others. Defensively, he's playing the best that he has in years, and he's bought in. Uh, so I think that Russ should be the favorite in the market. I just think his price should be twice what it is before I'd have any interest in backing it. Poole is going to have a really weird case because like all of his numbers are coming when he's starting and he's going to, he's probably going to qualify for sixth man, but not like 40% of games. It's just going to be a weird case. I think the best bet in the moment at the moment uh, is on Victor Oladipo, who um, is still north, Ooh. still north of a hundred to one to win this award, and he 
the past six games, he, he is back. Like he looks like old Victor Oladipo. They are playing him big minutes. They're giving him a lot of responsibility on offense, shot creation, because he's the only guy on the team who can do anything off the dribble outside of Jimmy Butler. Defensively, he looks like an absolute terror. Yes, he has missed 26 games, but this is a stupid award. No one knows. So if Victor Oladipo plays 50 games and plays the second half of the season doing what he's done the past six games, I think he is extremely live to win sixth man. What do you think? Uh, You've sold me on this. Um, And it really just comes down to the fact that the top of the market is just absolutely broken. Correct. I will... I, I can already hear Zach Lowe talking about this particular vote on his podcast and influence everyone else, which in the case is very straightforward. Why not Russ? Like he played so poorly that he was benched. So now we're going to give him an award for the sixth man of the year. Like, no, like that doesn't happen. Like you don't, that that's not how that works. Um, and so I do agree with you. Russ is not bettable. Um, I'm curious. What do you make? Uh, uh, so I, I can't add much. I love the Oladipo at the, at the triple digits for six man uh, to come out of nowhere. And you're actually talking me into thinking a little bit harder about betting some heat futures um, because I think they're figuring out internally who their best five are, <laughs> which is important because it's not obvious <laughs> considering, you know, who's gets getting paid and you know, who's getting, who is getting starter minutes. Um, but um what do you make the Lakers to get into the playoff? Because it's getting crowded down there. Yeah, it is. I, I think the market is about correct on them. They're in like the plus 170 range or so. That seems about right to me. I think, and I know we hate talking about this thing. We've already talked about them. <laughs> the T-Wolves are plus 200 to make the playoffs. And to me, that's too big. Like they are going to go, I think, on a little bit of a run now. So to me, that's the best bet in that area. Um before, just quickly before we move off, I think the other two best bets in this market, Bogdan Bogdanovich is 22 to 1. And statistically, he is going to have uh, a pretty compelling argument. Just the Hawks need to turn their season around, but they are a lot, lot shorter than 22 to 1 to at least fix themselves a bit and make him a strong candidate. Then he's been talked about a lot, and there's not much meat on the bone left, but Norm Powell at plus 1100. He went off last night for uh, 27 points. And I think that's. Probably slightly above fair, um, 11 to 1. So he is a little bit interesting as well. It's time to get your swagger back with PointsBet Sportsbook. New customers can sign up now with the code BETTHEEDGE to get five second chance bets up to $500. That's five straight days of second chances where PointsBet will match your losing wager in free bets. So use the promo code BETTHEEDGE and enjoy more live betting markets than ever before. PointsBet, it's your move. New customers only. Must be 21 plus and present in Colorado, Iowa, Illinois, Indiana, Kansas, Louisiana, Maryland, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Virginia, or West Virginia. In partnership with Louisiana iGaming LP, DBA Boomtown, New Orleans. Second chance means that if any of your first five cash bets, that is the first bet per day for five consecutive days on a fixed odds market loses, you will receive free bets in the amount of the losing wager up to $100 each. Cash out is not available on all wagers and may not be equivalent to the initial 
initial wager. PointsBet can disable or suspend the cash out feature at any time. Additional terms and conditions apply. See the promotions page and terms and conditions section of the PointsBet website app for more details. Void where prohibited. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help in Illinois, Maryland, New Jersey, or West Virginia, call 1-800-GAMBLER for crisis counseling and referral services or visit www.1800gambler.net. In Colorado or Kansas, call 1-800-522-4700. In Iowa, call 1-800-BETS-OFF. In Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. In Michigan, call 1-800-270-7117. In Virginia, call 1-888-532-3500. Gambling problem? Call 877-8-HOPE-NEW-YORK or text HOPE-NEW-YORK. That's 467-369. In New York, call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Pennsylvania, call 1-877-770-STOP. That's 1-877-770-6867 in Louisiana. Just a reminder, if you don't have the NBC Sports Predictor app, go download it now. The contests are free and easy to play, and you have a shot to win thousands this weekend by predicting what will happen during the wildcard round and the Premier League this weekend, including two shots and $100,000 by guessing the outcome in our Sunday Night 7 contests between the Chargers and Jags, as well as Joe Burrow and the Bengals and uh, Blank Space and the Ravens. All right. <laughs> Games were circling in the NBA tonight. We talked about the Minnesota Timberwolves minus seven, the Detroit Pistons. It's a lot of points for a team going up against the Pistons, but Pistons on a back-to-back. Wolves rested. I think the Wolves might have fixed themselves. I think they might be getting fixed. Uh, and I like this starting lineup. I like playing, just having Anderson and McDaniels and Edwards and Gobert together. And finally, it is showing defensively. I think Edwards has taken a leap as well uh, with Cat out. And they just, they look more like a coherent NBA team. Start of the season, the Wolves are just doing so much stupid stuff. <laughs> um, and so Edwards is questionable tonight, but I think he will go. He's questionable last game as well and played. Um, so, so long as Edwards gets ruled in, I like the Timberwolves tonight to uh, to continue their uh, their mini renaissance. Uh, what do you like? Yeah, I agree with that case. Edwards, by the way, is a hot hand guy. Uh, so when he gets hot, you look the hell out. Like he he uh, he definitely could um, you know put together a month of basketball here that completely changes the fabric of their season. I 100% buy into that. Um, Tonight's card is extremely tough. Uh, the month of January has been super weird because a bunch of um, like fatigue has been working backwards. Uh, I don't know if, if I've ever seen a stretch this long, this clear, um, but the teams that are coming in a little bit tired are either planning for it or the guys who are getting the relief minutes are just playing out of their minds as well. A uh, um, lot, a lot of replacement players getting meaningful minutes right now across the NBA. So um, things are in, you know, in a very, very weird spot. Um, I make value on Houston against the Kings tonight. Um, Houston, you know, ought to be in the seven and a half point range market currently at nine and a half there. I make value on Washington over Chicago. Uh, now Chicago has been stealing my lunch money um, for all season. <laughs> like, I don't know. Every time I, they're, they're zigging when I'm zagging. So uh, prepared to get hurt there, but I played a little whiz at, and you can get that at plus one and a half now. So uh, I think that's a fair play. Um, and uh, finally, Atlanta and Milwaukee is an interesting game. I think Atlanta's live in that one. 
I don't really have a ton of like positive things to say about them as a team, as a franchise. There's a lot of warning signs that they could still blow up any, any minute now. Um, but uh, they do match up fairly well against uh, Milwaukee. And uh, in general, I think Milwaukee still hair overrated by market. So those are the three I played tonight. Houston, Atlanta, and Washington. Kind of a gross card for <laughs> moi. I believe in the Hawks. I think the Hawks are going to figure it out. I think they have too much talent. Once they get Capella back, uh, I think that team is going to look a lot better. And by believe in them, I mean that they're a chance to succeed and they probably end up seven. All right. But I think they will be a playoff team before it's all said and done. Before we sign off, I think Taylor Jenkins should be favorite for coach of the year now. Um, and he's, he's not in the market. He's like the fifth favorite, uh, but I think they're going to get the one seed. And I think that it's going to be the same thing with Monty Williams, where he finishes second, following year finishes first, Jenkins second to first. I think it's him against Joe Mazzulla. I think the Kevin Durant injury rules out Jacques Vaughn. Uh, so yeah, Taylor Jenkins, we are all Memphis Grizzlies. All right. Don't forget to check out NBCSportsEdge.com for more information to help you with your wages. Thanks for those watching on the NBC Sports YouTube channel. And if you're listening to us in podcast form, don't forget to subscribe and rate us. We'll be back tomorrow. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.